platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Tackling climate change, curtailing nature and biodiversity loss, and combating pollution. These are central to this year's agenda at the United Nations Environment Assembly. This platform can help guide all stakeholders, government, non-government, private and public, mm. to discuss, to share, to, to argue, to then reach some consensus. Soil and water bind our planet's ecosystem together, playing a pivotal role in sustaining life and humanity. There will be no meaningful development in agriculture. There will be no meaningful change of life in the, you know, of, of people in Africa without proper soils. As the world convenes in Nairobi, Kenya for the sixth session of the United Nations Environment Assembly, we discuss the urgency of coming together to tackle humanity's most pressing environmental challenges and the initiatives China is undertaking to embrace sustainability and environmental protection. Only on BizTalk, only on CGTN. And welcome everyone to BizTalk, I'm Michael Wong. It's the world's highest level decision-making body for matters related to the environment and helps to shape global environmental policy. The sixth session of the United Nations Environment Assembly, or the UNEA-6, has taken place in Nairobi, Kenya. The UNEA says the world is currently facing a triple planetary crisis of climate change, nature and biodiversity loss, and pollution and waste. Now, this triple crisis, of course, has implications for people's livelihoods, for development, poverty, and inequality, among other challenges. Now, the overall theme of the UNEA-6 is effective, inclusive, and sustainable multilateral actions to tackle climate change, biodiversity loss, and pollution. So, what more can be done to preserve our environment for future generations to enjoy? And what is China doing in its environmental protection efforts? And how is China supporting global efforts to protect the environment? For more on this, I want to bring in Dr. Zhou Jinfeng, Secretary General of the China Biodiversity Conservation and Green Development Foundation, for more. Dr. Zhou, thank you so much for joining us on thank the program. You. Dr. Zhou, I want to set the stage for us at a very high level. Explain to our audience first the significance of the United Nations Environment Assembly in terms of forging consensus for all stakeholders around the world when it comes to protecting the environment. This is the only platform and uh, mechanism to do collectively, internationally, to tackle the major three threats of human beings facing it. And uh, that is the climate change, uh, biodiversity loss, and the pollution. Mm. And uh, through this only platform, that's the major point is this platform can help guide all stakeholders, government, non-government, and uh, science and uh, civil and uh, private and public, mm. that platform gathers all stakeholders together to discuss, to share, to argue, to then reach some consensus, yeah. and then to get some framework, policy guiding, and including action sharing. That helps the world, all member states, move in the same direction is, yeah. is very important. Yeah. 
the UN says, look, we have a very short time frame to reach our climate goals as well. And they also say that if we don't take action in this decade, some of the climate change impacts will be irreversible. Is that the same for biodiversity? The biodiversity loss, is that irreversible right now? Or do we still have a chance to change? It's the same. And not only the same, it's interconnected. Mm. The, the climate change, while it, uh, the, the fundamental problem of climate change is biodiversity. Mm. For example, in Beijing, from the winter to summer, we face the 40 degrees, 70 degrees change. Mm. We don't care about that. We can handle it. What about one point? Many people ask me, why 1.5 degrees centigrade are so important? It sounds like a small number. Yes. I tell you one story, simple story this year. Mm. At the earliest of this year, billions of Alaska snow crab mm. died in a second. Why? Because the temperature of the sea changed a little bit. Changed a little bit. But the, those lives are heavily depends on those temperatures. Wow. We can put on cold, we can have turn on our uh, air condition, but those lives in nature, they do not have that. But so species, the biodiversity loss is the climate change will result the most important part of the issue. And uh, about the thunderstorm, typhoon, special weather, that's part of the climate change. The fundamental, the co-issue uh, climate change will further cause biodiversity loss. Mm. We cannot live without uh, biodiversity because they are part of the ecosystem. That's the essential part of our habitat, mm. the, our only habitat. Here on BizTalk, we connect the dots, shedding light on the real stories behind the economic landscape. To better understand China's dynamism and the economies and rhythms of business, propelling new drivers of growth. China, China. China. We are right. China. China. BizTalk, your window into China and the global economy. Only on BizTalk. How receptive are Chinese policymakers to this kind of thinking? Because people outside of China might think Chinese policymakers are just focused on GDP growth, uh, the growth targets, for example. So how receptive are policymakers here in this country towards ecological conservation? We can show you a long list of examples, uh, like the packaging. Mm. And after we fight for three years, the Central Authority have a new monkey packaging standards. Mm. After the fast food delivery, they are all the local authorities and central authorities are having new laws against those waste. Mm. And even now we have central, uh, the Congress are setting up uh, against the waste food law, new law, a totally new law. Mm. And you know, every year, every single year, we have over hundreds of laws, standards, regulations, 
changed in China、mm. every single year. That is so encouraging, you know. Yes, we do under the industry civilization fast speed growing that causes many issues, but we also are changing according the four civilizations request.、Mm. We call it the ecological civilization, and we have the guidelines from the very top. That helps us to move those ideas, those、uh, new way of living and production forward. Yeah. So, Dr. Zhou, you mentioned civilization and ecological civilization several times. So, help our international audience understand a little bit more. What does China mean when it talks about ecological civilization? What is the foundation here? What are some of the basic concepts?、Mm. Is the fall civilization of human beings, the primitive civilization, agricultural civilization, industry civilization. Now we call it the ecological civilization. That based on the mass extinction, and that based on the bad climate issue, biodiversity issue, and public health issue, and that is a new way of living. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you hear from outside of China,、uh, they say yes, you have this concept called ecological civilization. Yes, China has its very ambitious dual carbon goals: peaking carbon emissions by 2030 and then carbon neutrality, ideally before 2060. But they also say you're still building coal plants. What's your response to that?、Uh, that is the goal of development and uh, uh, protection,、uh, sustainable, and we do need this development. To get、uh, the pe- people's well-beings, and、uh, we do need development to acquire the high tech to tackle those emergencies.、Mm. So we have new coal plants. Oh, in fact,、uh, I believe we do not have.、Uh, we are trying to stop new coal plant, and、uh, especially、um, Ben Jones Initiative, we totally stopped、uh, new coal plant. Yeah, and、uh, but. That's only part of the supply. We want to do from the other end, from the consumer part. We are at,、uh, in China are trying very hard on the food、uh, issues. We are uh, uh, campaign for less meat, more vegetable,、mm. and uh, less uh, coal, milk, more、uh, soy beans,、mm. and that kind of. Holistic solution is very important.、Mm. No matter how hard you work on the supply chain, and that's not good enough. The waste of even、uh, solar energy, wind energy, those clean energy cause ecological a lot,、mm. and、uh, we need to at the same time save the energy. Yeah, and、uh, we need to do the from the food close. So this is what China is doing domestically when it comes to green development, when it comes to environmental protection, and trying to lower emissions, and that will indirectly, of course, support the world's carbon emission reduction efforts as well. What else is China doing on the international stage right now and in the future in terms of supporting the world's efforts to really protect the environment and lower its carbon footprint? From our point of view, we would like to go to the world stage to share our experience. Mm. Those are of great value, especially for those developing countries. Yes, those developing should not follow the old way; they should start the new way. They should not follow the industrialization ways、uh, to to increase, for example, the air condition. 
And uh, do they need that money at that level? I think it's not good for pe people's health. Mm. And uh, in the dairy, the, the, uh, the food system, the all the system, the transportation, and uh, we think China have, uh, we are very actively uh, participate in the international uh, exchange, showcase our directions, and, and also we take our, uh, not only follow the convention, the, uh, the pact, we have our own promise. The China authorities have their own promise to move. And even the climate uh, target, 2060 uh, to the target, uh, the peak, and 2060, uh, 30 to the peak, 30 uh, neutralized. We believe we will get those targets reached before that date. And we are trying our best mm. to move ahead. Yeah. Where do we stand when it comes to emerging technologies uh, to solve perhaps the pollution problem, the climate change problems? Because our science is now better. We have better monitoring tools, better digital tools. And the UNEA is asking itself, we have these better technologies. And yet the biodiversity crisis, the pollution crisis, the climate change crisis is getting worse. What's going on here? Technology is, is not a, a, a simple thing, good or bad. I'll give some example. Uh, uh, electrofishing is a technology and uh, that get all fish died and collected mm. but that's not good technology and also uh, many technology will not uh, certainly reach the good result but the nowadays technology if we use it right and will give a good uh, support for example the AI artificial intelligence and uh, that can see a lot of material on the uh, uh, testing area, and uh, that can make a more uh, accurate supply. That uh, new technology will totally change our way. Mm. And uh, but we need to start our way of legal system, uh, ethics, scientific ethics. Uh, new culture, we should not, like, you know, we have a campaign about new zero fur, zero fur campaign. Mm. And in the past, uh, very people like luxury uh, coats with fur, mm -hmm. but now people starting to change. And uh, there are many, we, uh, the new technology can provide very good fabricated uh, material provide, keep you warm and keep you uh, good. And But the new technology, of course, is a key for to tackle our issues. Yeah. And, but we need to do it right. We need to, everybody should move, standing today and uh, looking out to the future to move the right direction. And yeah. the new technology will be a big help. Yeah. Actually, I do want to follow up, Dr. John, on one more thing, because the UNEA talks about the importance of multilateralism when it comes to tackling these crises. And you have to have the global commons coming together, yeah. the international community coming together, because this cannot be solved by any country or region no. alone. No. And yet we live in an increasingly fractured world. So what can we do 
when it comes to multilateralism? What can China do in terms of promoting more multilateralism to tackle these crises? I have a phrase for them. Diversity. I'm a diversity guy.、Mm. I told them. I want to tell them. Diversity is life.、Mm. Not only biological diversity, political diversity, cultural diversity, civilization diversity. We should accept peaceful each other. We should learn from each other.、Uh, collectivism are very essential in the Eastern civilization, but individualism are different. Are quite different in the Western civilization. We need learn each other,、mm. share each other. We are facing the same problem, the emergency. We need accept diversity. Yeah. Okay. On that upbeat note, thank you for joining us, Dr. Zhou. Dr. Zhou Zhenfeng, Secretary General at the China Biodiversity Conservation and Green Development Foundation. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Zhou. Thank you. Three hundred sixty-degree profiles of industry movers and shakers, tech mavericks, and policymakers. We drill down on their success. We ask how they set strategy and how they navigate in an increasingly competitive market. Real talk, real business. Join the conversation. Biz Talk. Only on CGTN. And welcome back, everyone, to Biz Talk. So, as the world's environment policymakers and leaders gather in Nairobi, Kenya, for the sixth United Nations Environment Assembly, or the UNEA Six. Here on Biz Talk, we're exploring the actions needed to protect and conserve our global environment. Now, we may not often think about it, but the soil and water are what bind our planet's ecosystem together. This crucial relationship forms the foundation of our agricultural systems. Now, according to the UN, over 95% of the world's food comes from soils, and healthy soils play a pivotal role as a natural filter to purify and store water as it seeps into the ground. Our next guest is the founder and executive director of a non-governmental organization in the Gambia. Abrima Jara leads the Soil Solution, an NGO that's committed to protecting vital soils for plant life, aiming to improve food security and address climate challenges in order to present desertification and to protect biodiversity. So, Abrima, thank you so much for joining us on the program. My pleasure. My pleasure. Abrima, so set the stage for us first. What is the state of soil health currently in Africa?、Uh, that is a very important question, and I think,、um, like you said in your introduction, people are not paying much attention to soils as they see it as a substance that they trample on it, and then that is the end of it. Soils actually plays a very crucial role in Africa, and then you can see the number of people. Or how the figures are rising in Africa in terms of、um, poverty, in terms of hunger, and you know many other、um, ecosystem failures. Actually, in Africa right now, as I speak, 60% of our lands are already being degraded. And when I say a soil is degraded, meaning the soil is not fit anymore for for production.、Um, if you cultivate the soil, you might not harvest the the, the the expected outcome from that soil, or you might not get the expected outcome from that soil. Reports have also shown that in Africa, every year we are losing 56 billion euro of our GDP due to land degradation, and this, I think, is very crucial because 
this is what helps the people to, to develop, to, to advance to, to, the, to the next level of life. And we are, if you are losing all this important component of our GDP due to land degradation, then it worth paying attention to. And I think soil is the soil is the is the beginning of life. Soil is where life begins, and soil is the lifeblood of life. Without soils, we, we you know let's forget about any civilized um, nation or civilized continent. Right. So then, what do you think are the biggest challenges in terms of dealing with? soil degradation, Abrima, because Africa, I mean, when it comes to GDP, about 30 to 40 percent of Africa's GDP comes from agriculture. It is a huge employer of people. So when you have that much land being degraded, it is a serious problem. So what would you say are the biggest challenges in terms of addressing soil degradation in Africa? Um, in Africa, the number one threat of soils in Africa is soil erosion, which is either the worsening way of which is the worsening away of the topsoil, either by wind, water, or tillage practices. If you come to Africa, it is a continent where it is very, very sad that people actually lack even the basic knowledge of managing the soils. One important thing that we don't always pay attention to is the policies and the decisions that are taken in terms of sustainable soil management in Africa. Very few or, 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 or less decisions are being made, I mean informed decisions are being made to, to, to manage soil, to properly manage soils in Africa. Because, number one, either the policymakers don't have any capacity or understanding of soil, or the judges or whatever body responsible for making the laws don't have the understanding of making laws, you know, in Africa. Also, there is also a, a very big problem that I face many times when I go to international events and I meet fellow Africans and then they talk about problems associated to, to their agricultural production in their countries. And then I said, okay, do you have any data? They don't have any scientific-based data to be able to defend themselves to show that, well, we have problems and this is the evidence that prove it. So this is this is also a problem. So there is a gap of soil information in the Gambia, in, in, in the Gambia and also in many countries in Africa. If I'm if I'm to say actions needed to be taken, these are the actions that we are trying to do in partnership with China. And I think we will be coming to that in the in the near future. Okay, so Abrima, you, you mentioned many challenges when it comes to Africa dealing with its soil management. You yourself and Soil Solution, if you had to prioritize your messages, what key messages do you want to tell to the UNEA, the highest level decision-making body in the world when it comes to the environment? That is a very important question. And I think my passion and commitment to attend the UNEA sixth session is I want to tell people really the problems that we are faced in, in the Gambia and also in Africa. My message is, if we are making our programs, if we are developing our plans and then our programs, we have we put them into categories. And of course, we have the, the, the priority or the, the, the goals that we prioritize. We have the goals that are cross-cutting and whatever. I want to tell these people that we have to put soil at the center of the priority of the goals that we are making or the plans and the frameworks that we are developing. If you look at the Africa Agenda 2063, okay, they have a lot of priorities and then privileges on agriculture and environment, but little or very few privileges are being highlighted on soils. And this is something that if I look at the, 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 the plan, the, the 2063 plan, it burns me in my heart because I feel like there will be no meaningful development in agriculture. There will be no meaningful change of life in the, you know, of, of people in Africa without proper soils, without healthy soils, without soils that can produce. Because you already said it, 70 to 80% of the population of Africa definitely lies on soils. They definitely lies on agriculture. 
So if the soil is not productive anymore, there is no way that you can change the lives of these people. Because for me, I believe changing somebody's life is not giving somebody a handout. It is about teaching the person how to write his own handout. And the way to help these people is to help them improve the productivity level of their soils, optimize their productions, and then be able to even contribute to ecosystem management. In terms of partnerships, what is China doing or what can China do more to support Africa's uh, efforts when it comes to soil management, when it comes to environmental conservation and protection and unleashing the potential of agriculture and soil in Africa? I think China is a very potential ground and a benchmarking ground for Africa and of course for Gambia. I was in China and I've seen the technology that has been developed. I've seen the, the research, the level of research that China is right now in terms of um, soil, in terms of technology, in agriculture and, and other practices. And I think this is a very good um, education for, for us, even me as, as an individual who was in China to see all this technology and then all this research. Well, what China can help Africa to do is to look at the potentials of Africa. We have many young people in Africa who have all the skills and the commitment in order to bring change in, the, in their society. China can support to build the capacity of these people to transfer knowledge to these young people, and then these people will solve the problems of their own societies. And of course, we are looking forward to a better and more optimal um, strengthening relationship with, with China in the very near future. We've already started conversations at a very high level, and then also we hope to continue these conversations and then you know continue to strengthen the partnership and the collaboration with China. And we certainly hope to see more fruitful partnerships between China and the Gambia and the rest of Africa when it comes to improving the soil quality of Africa. Uh, Abrima, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. Abrima Jara, uh, founder and executive director of The Soil Solution. Thank you so much. And with that, we're going to wrap up this edition of Biz Talk here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. Find the Beijing Hour at precisely 6 p.m. Beijing time. We meet you on podcast and on air every weekday. The Beijing Hour, your window on China and the rest of the world.